Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Hey, what's going on? Uh, New Life Church, you've got Bronson here along with Austin McCaskill, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. We want to welcome you in to the first uh, not the first in this series, but the first midweek podcast. Uh, and we're pumped. You know, we've been doing this on Instagram and we realized, hey, why not put this on podcast so anybody could listen to it anytime you'd like to. And so right now we're in the middle of a study of Philippians and uh, we're in Philippians chapter three. But before we get into the word, uh, for any of you guys who don't know Austin, uh, I've got my friend Austin McCaskill here. Austin has been a follower of Jesus for a long time, uh, and he's been somebody who's been studying the Word for a long time. And uh, Austin, say what's up to everybody. Well, it's good to be here tonight, and I'm looking forward to our digging into Philippians together and seeing what God has to say to us uh, through this portion of His Word. Yeah, absolutely. So Austin, uh, give us a, a quick background. So you were a lawyer, you were a pastor, you were an executive pastor, you were a lead pastor, you were a missionary, uh, you also taught Bible uh, at the university level. Is that correct? Well, I was not, uh, yeah, I practiced law in Little Rock for 10 years. I was executive pastor of a large church in St. Louis, and then I did, I went to another church in Oklahoma City. I was not uh, the senior pastor, I was one of the preaching pastors there and uh, was there for eight years and then moved to Albania and was a missionary uh, and pastor and Bible teacher in Albania for about um, 10, little over 10 years. And uh, uh, so moved back here about four years ago to help take care of my dad, who was uh, well into his 90s at the time. And so we've been back in the States about four years now. Well, uh, one of the things that I love about you, Austin, is uh, the first time I talked to you, you came to one of our Connect classes at the church and uh, you were in my group and you asked how you could help and how you could serve the church. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, uh, church can be something that we consume instead of something that we're a part of. And what struck me is that you didn't come in with a consumer mentality, but a partner and a contributor mentality, uh, which coincidentally is a major theme uh, in the book of Philippians. Yeah, Philippians talks a lot about, uh, well, the you see the word koinonia, but it's translated a whole bunch of different ways as to fellowship, as participant, as partnership, and Paul is talking all the way through the letter about how the Philippians are partners with him in the gospel. And I think that's part of what all of us need to be uh, who are in the church. We come not to church, not for what we can get, but for uh, a place where we can learn to do and do the works God's prepared for us to do from before the foundation of the earth. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, one of those things, you use the word gospel. And I think sometimes, you know, uh, in the Bible Belt, at least 
you know, how I grew up. When I hear gospel, I think Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, but in the scripture, when they're hearing gospel, that's not exactly what they're hearing. Uh, you know, they're hearing a proclamation, uh, a proclamation that God himself is actually king, which we're going to talk about that today. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, but I think that the present uh, climate that we've got in our world, um, I think, leaves a lot of room uh, for the gospel to break in. And uh, I think the gospel is very relevant to the world that we're in. And, uh, you know, if, unless you're living under a rock or you're a monk, uh, you know that right now is a time. Uh, I've heard a lot of pastors call it a time of reckoning uh, within, our cult, within our culture. Um, but we're uh, members of our community, black members of our community specifically, who've been marginalized, uh, are calling out to be noticed and to be heard and calling out for justice. And, uh, you know, I think that some of these things are, are at the very heart of God, which is that I think that God wants all people to be treated equally. Um, I think even I was I was studying Revelation today and it's interesting. I didn't know this. The book of Revelation is the most exhaustive list. I, I believe it's in Revelation chapter 12, but you'll have to go back and look, of uh, goods that the Roman Empire uh, produced. Uh, and, and at the end of the, the list, it talked about how they even sold people. And the term they would have used for slaves human beings was bodies. That's what the term they would have used in the market. And the writer, uh, John, was at the end, so he, he said that the term they used, which was bodies, and at the end he said human souls, which goes back to Genesis chapter one and how God breathed life in us when we became a human soul. And so even back then, uh, you, you see a push for uh, reconciliation between people and also um, for justice for people who've been oppressed. And so we just want you to know, I want you to know, people who are listening in, uh, my black brothers and sisters, uh, I stand with you. We stand with you as a church. I know Austin uh, definitely stands with you. Uh, and so today we're going to study and we're going to we're going to dive into what I believe is the solution to every problem and uh every answer that we need, which I, I personally believe we can find in the scripture. You may not believe that yet. Uh, those who are listening in may be watching. Um, but I believe over time, if you give Jesus time, he will show you that he's the way, the truth and the life. And uh, that means that he brings us all good things. Amen. Amen. Why don't you pray for us before we get started? Let's do it. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you speak to us through it. Uh, God, I pray for this, this time together, this Bible study. And I pray for anybody listening in, wherever they are, whether they're in their car on the way to work, or uh, maybe they're at home winding down, or uh, they're in a season where they need to hear from you. God, I pray that they would get a word from you today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, as we get started, I'd like to just uh, point out that like lots of Hebrew literature in particular and other literature, and you can see it in both the Old and New Testament, there is a structure to the book of Philippians. It starts off salutation, grace to you and peace, and it ends up with a blessing, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And it's like that the God's grace 
frames this book. Hmm. Uh, and then Paul in chapter one gets into his concerns for the Philippians. And then if you look in chapter four, toward the end of chapter four, Paul's talking about the Philippians' concern for Paul and how the Philippians uh, have cared for him and have shared in his ministry. And it's like you go from this greeting and the grace of God, you have concern, a mutual concern and love for each other. You have a couple of exhortations that start off next. One is the example of Christ. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he talks about the humility of Christ. And uh, then the as we get toward uh, back up one step from the Philippians' concern for Paul, we have Paul's example. And Paul says, as mimic me, because he's mimicking, that's the literal, because uh, he's mimicking Christ. He's trying to imitate Christ. And, and uh, he talks about we need people we can look to to imitate. Yeah. And um, the center of the book structurally is Timothy and Epaphroditus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, these are two guys who have followed the example of Christ and they've humbled themselves in their genuine leaders concerned for Christ. And yeah. it's like it, the, the whole book points toward that and works out from that. So that's just kind of an overall, uh, look at the structure, if you can look at it thematically, Philippians 1 talks about Christ our life. Mm. And uh, for me to to live as Christ and to die as gain, that's 121. And um, that's a whole, I mean, um, for Christ to be our life, changes the way we think about things, the way we worry about things or don't worry about things. It, it changes the way we live. And, um, you know, then one of the ways that happens is in chapter two, when he talks about Christ, our mind. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, I like it that that's a plural. It's not that any one of us is going to have all of the mind of Christ. But together, we can learn how to do that. When we moved back, we looked for several different, we visited several different churches. And one reason we came to New Life is that we've got a mixed congregation. And I recognize I need that. We need that Um, because I don't have it. I don't have it all figured out and I don't understand. (laughs) I I want that. uh, And I lived with different kinds of people in Albania. Mm -hmm. I I had good Roma friends, gypsies, and I had good Albanian friends and they all thought differently from the way I think. And that enriched me greatly. And I learned values there 
that I love that we don't have here. Yeah. Um, and I re- it, it kind of made me realize, hey, America, it's a wonderful place to live, but it's got big problems that we can be blind to. Yeah. Um, chapter three, where we're going to talk, focus on tonight is Christ, our goal. The goal is to know Christ uh, and the power of his resurrection. Yeah. Uh, I think in, in these kind of, kind of times that's what we we need to know the power of christ and the power uh that he has the power to protect us uh just like he did shadrach meshach and abednego it doesn't mean we're supposed to be foolish and jump off the top of the temple um but if god calls us into a place where we're to help even if i was talking with a uh, my doctor today is a, a strong Christian and he and his wife uh, have both, I mean, medical people, they're on the front lines. And he said, I, you know, I was talking with my wife and said, this is what we signed up for. Hmm. There's a risk that we can get this and be sick or die. But, you know, this is part of what we signed up for. And, um, that is a Christian perspective. Mm. Try to be as wise as you can, but you do what you need to do to help people. Yeah. And that's We can do that with confidence because we know the power of the resurrection. We know the power of God to, to protect us, the power of God to heal us, and the power of God to raise us from the dead uh, when that time comes. Um. So that's the, I mean, and then the fourth thing we'll talk about uh, next week in chapter four is Christ, our strength. Yeah. All things through him who strengthens me. Now that uh, we got to read that in context because it doesn't mean that I can jump off the top of a building. Through Christ uh, gives me the strength to do it. uh, But if you look in context, it's still a really powerful statement. Hmm. Uh, So that's kind of a, overview of the book and trying to bring us up to date to uh, chapter three. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, So with, uh, yeah, let's jump right in chapter three. Let's hit it. Uh, Why don't you read verses eight through 12? We're not going to talk a whole lot about those, but we need to have those as kind of a background for the, for the second half, 13 through 21. For sure. So it says this, it says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience his mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things, I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection of which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Uh, as we look at those verses, you've got, I mean, depending on the translation, but you've got, uh, on the one hand, Paul saying, that I may gain Christ. 
Uh, he's saying, verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Verse 11, that I may attain to the resurrection. And verse 12, that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. He's, he has laid hold of us. And he has a purpose for that. Yeah. And the reason I want to say that is I think the second half of this chapter uh, is kind of the how-to. Yeah. What to focus on. And uh, I think we can take that um, kind of a verse at a time because we're, we're looking at just the really practical nuts and bolts. Uh, and in verse 13, uh, Paul says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what is ahead. I want us to stop there. Uh, first of all, do we have a correct estimate of ourselves? Um, you know, you, you tease me, but when people ask me, how are you doing? I always say much better than I deserve. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there's a reason for that. And I recognize that I don't deserve the blessings that God has given me. And I think he wants us to see um, ourselves um, accurately, correctly, and to recognize uh, wherever we are in our Christian life. We have not arrived, and we're not nearly as far along as we should be and could be. Yeah. Um, and then he says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, what do you think we ought to forget in the past? Hmm. I mean, what I always think about with this and what this verse always grabs me is, okay, verse 12, I'm not perfect. And then verse, verse 13, forget the past. So for me, that makes me think about anything that's behind me. Um, and so a lot of times that goes personal for me which is like, I can't live in what's, what's, what's back there. I've got to live in what God's got in front. And it makes me think about, I think it's in uh, Romans chapter six, the apostle Paul says, you've got to reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. And so I kind of think of those ideas together. Um, so yeah, that's what it makes me think of. Well, let me, I mean, you could read this to say, okay, I'm going to forget everything in the past. And should you forget God's mercy and forgiveness in the past? No. We can't do that. Um, I mean, we, we could try to do that, but that's not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> when we, before we moved to Albania, this was a big move for us. We were in our 50s. And uh, we wrote down all of the different things God did to confirm to us that this was really what we needed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a time financially where after your kids get out of college, uh, that's when you're supposed to really build up your nest egg for retirement. Mm -hmm. And instead of, you know, being upwardly mobile at this point, I'm downwardly mobile. Uh, and so we really wanted God to confirm that. And, 
uh, it helps us to, it, when we were over there, it would help us to look back to those good things uh, to say, yes, this is where we're supposed to be. We're in hard times right now, but this is what God has called us to do. We're going to make it. Uh, so that's the good thing. But there are things to look back and forget. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who uh, wanted, he, he had graduated from college and wanted to go to a certain seminary. Um, and he was rejected. I think it was for their doctoral program or something. I've forgotten the details. This was years ago. But it devastated him. And he was really rejected because that seminary did, just didn't like the Christian college he'd been to. Uh, and he lived back there. He never could get over that. Mm. And that just kind of colored and shaped everything. I mean, he went to another place and uh, he got his degree and all that, but it was just, it was really hard. Yeah. And he lived back there. And uh, I'll say as a pastor and as a lawyer, I've seen people that have had uh, a divorce and five or 10 years later, they're still living back there. And that's a terrible thing to go through. Yep. I don't minimize that at all. But uh, God has better things for us than living in the past. I've had friends who have lost children and it's terrible. And, you know, Ruth in the, in the book of Ruth, uh, she talks about how she's had some bitter experience in life. Yeah. Her husband died, her sons have died. And, you know, life has been bitter for her. Um, but she doesn't live back there. And I think that, um, you know, part of what we have to get over, and, and Paul is telling us, is that uh, we don't live in the good things or the bad things in ways that define the future. In other yeah. words, Paul has been a, a glorious, and he talks about, hey, he's been a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's been a persecutor of the church. He's been uh, circumcised on the eighth day. He had all these things. Uh, he, was, and, uh, he was the prom king. He was the quarterback of the football team. He could throw a football over a mountain. President of the student body. I mean, yeah. Because you, you can live in your glory days, too. Yeah. And, and he's saying, got to leave that behind. And I think that is the place we have to start if, if we're going to move forward, is to make a decision. We're yeah. uh, getting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Yeah. I, mean, I think about, I have friends, you know, who have gone through, you know, maybe not divorce, but adultery, and they made it through, but could never really forgive themselves. Um, for what happened. And it, it was just always, you know, something there. And, you know, in different seasons, which I want to put a pin in this, um, being 
emotionally healthy um, is something that's progressive. And so we know that we've been set free, but often we have to deal with different levels of emotional health. And what I've learned is that when I go through different seasons of life, often I've got to go back and reprocess through a new lens hurt that I've been through. Um, and so this isn't to put shame on anybody who has continually struggled with something, but to say that that's not the place that God wants you to live. He doesn't want you to make your home there. Uh, he wants you to process through the lens of grace and move forward. And sometimes, you know, we go th- to counselors, sometimes we go to pastors, but I agree with you, Austin, that that, that is a continual narrative of the scriptures. We got to be keep pushing forward. Remember what God's done. Got to remember what God's done. Because in tough seasons, we got to remember he's done it before, but we got to keep pushing forward to what he's got for us. And we don't let either our glories from the past or our massive failures define where we're going. Um, In the next verse, uh, Paul says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And... uh, uh, the word there, Paul, I'm, I'm going to just say it. Paul is a sports fan. <laughs> he loved the Olympics. Yeah. And the Olympics had been going from like 800 BC and they continued to probably 400 something AD. I've forgotten the uh, time on it, but Paul was a sports fan and he uses sports terms a whole lot. He uses it in Philippians and the other letters as well. Uh, he talks about wrestling. When he does that, he uses sports terms. When he talks about racing, uh, he's using the Olympic terms. And about like the Vader bomb, the Stone Cold Stunner. He's using terms like that. Well, and and when he uses the word for the WWF fans in the house. Yeah, even even when he uses the word crown, uh, he doesn't use the word diadem which is the crown of a king. He uses the word for a wreath to the one who wins the race. So if the Apostle Paul was alive today, would he be a Razorbacks fan or a Georgia Bulldogs fan? Yes. (laughs) Dogs. That's the problem. As a lawyer, you learn about asking these questions. that 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 was a pretty slick answer. Uh, you know, but it's interesting because the word where he says press on to reach, that's a word that comes from the Olympic Games and it pictures a runner and his eyes are fixed on the big race was about 200 meters, but his eyes are fixed down there and he is looking there and saying, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there first. And his body is bent forward. It's it's a present tense, which is a continual motion. It's not that he's just sitting back and doing it once. It's a continual kind of thing uh, where he is pushing himself and pushing uh, his straining his body uh, in his efforts to reach that goal and to win the race. So what, what is the Apostle Paul here telling us straight toward? What's the end of the race and what's the heavenly prize? Well, um, I think, I mean, obviously the end of the race is going to be when we know Christ. Mm. 
we see Christ when we're changed to be like him and we see him as he is. Uh, and uh, that if that's the goal that we were talking about, uh, our goal is to know Christ, uh, then that's what's, that is what the Paul is determined to see. And anybody can say, well, I, not anybody, a Christian should be able to say, well, I know Christ, I've met Christ. But there's a difference in, I mean, for instance, you could say you've met my wife, Beverly, yep. but you don't know her like I know her uh, because I've known her for 50 years, uh, you know, and, and we've walked through a lot of fun times and some hard times in those uh, years. I, I realized just we um, were at a beach house last week that was Beverly's grandfather's. And um, it uh, thing's 70 years old. It's not in wonderful shape, but it works, you know. And I was thinking it was 50 years ago that I went down there for the first time. And uh, what's the difference in the shape between then and now? <laughs> well, you know, the exterior has actually held up through every hurricane for the last 70 years. I mean, we've lost a few roof shingles and things like that, but the thing was built. I mean, it's built out of concrete blocks. It's not particularly pretty, uh, but it's built out of concrete blocks and when you get stuff hey, like that, it'll blow hey, out the lesson there. Yeah, it's made it. Life, life, your life doesn't always have to look pretty. You're, you're trying to make it and stay strong, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, and, and Paul is saying in verse 15, let all who are spiritually mature on agree on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. And that's again, a plural. So when he says these things, what's, what's he referring to? I think he's talking about all of the things he's been talking up to that point, but specifically that um, our focus is how do we, what do we forget? How do we forget the things in the past? And how do we set our lives as a goal to know Christ? And that um, there will be differences in the way that that gets expressed in our lives. Yeah. Um, let me give you an example. Um, when I was in law school, uh, Beverly and I were in a, a, a little church uh, here in Little Rock, and they asked us to teach the Sunday school class and uh, for the high school teachers, high school kids. And so we were teaching in the Book of Romans. And every Saturday night, Beverly and I would have a fight. Mm -hmm. uh, it was not pretty. And finally, we went to Brother Mel, the pastor, and we said, Amron? Huh? Was it Mel Amron? Yes. Wow. Wonderful, wonderful those, man. Those who don't know, Mel is a legend at New Life Church. 
And he's been one of my pastors, one of Callie's pastors, uh, amazing man of God who passed this, this past spring. Um, and we came to find out that he was Austin's pastor at one point. And so Beverly and I went into his office and told him what was going on. And he just leaned back and laughed. That was not what we had really wanted. Yeah. Uh, and what he said is that you've got to look at, you've got different gifts. And Beverly had a real, Beverly just wanted to jump straight to application. And I wanted to lay a biblical foundation to have something to apply. And I might never get to application. Yeah. And yeah. so he said, God has put you together because you have different gifts. Yeah. And I think Paul is talking about that here uh, as we're hopefully getting to be spiritually mature. There will be places that we disagree places on emphasis. Uh, some people just want to focus on evangelism. Some people just want to focus on missions. That tends to be me. Uh, some people just want to focus on teaching. I'm kind of there too. Uh, some people want to focus on uh, physical outreach to the needy. And, and I have a heart for all of those things, but there's some of those things that are closer to my heart because of the way God's gifted me that than there are for other people. And so uh, as we look at the mix of how we look for this goal together of knowing Christ, uh, we learn to honor each other and um, the gifts that he's put in our lives. And then we, uh, that's why says, you know, prefer other people, think of other people as more important than yourselves. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the ways that works out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, Austin, um, you know, kind of coming back to the text here, uh, let all who are spiritually mature uh, agree on these things. And I love because great leaders always kind of give you something to aim at. And I almost feel like, and again, I'm conjecturing, but I almost feel like there's a little bit of a challenge in that because as you read through those things, there might be stuff that steps on your toes. You know, there might be stuff that, that throws you. I think we go through this and I think Paul kind of puts the challenge out there of like, okay, let us, those who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe God's going to show it to you. Uh, I, I just love Paul is so bold in the way that he writes and he's so confident in what God's taught him. But He's also spent a lot of time with Christ uh, in the same way that, that you're talking about. You know, you spent time with Beverly. And I know for me, we talked about this in an earlier, not episode, because we're going to try to get it up at some point. But we talked about this in an earlier uh, time about how the longer we know God, the longer we get to know his character. And as we get to know his character, that affects the way that we make decisions that affects the way that we think about our life. And uh, I love that. Yeah, it's, I, God wants us together. Uh, he said, we must hold on to the progress we've already made. Uh, you know, and mm. too often that I have seen 
brothers in Christ who have walked together for several years and have one thing and it has broken that relationship and they've never been able to get back together. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, and, and it, uh, it doesn't happen just among new believers. I look at uh, John Wesley and George Whitfield, and they ministered together for years. And historians disagree on whether it was Wesley that initiated the break or Whitfield, but there was something came up between them, and they separated ways and were never able to get back together. And I just see, I mean, so I see this as a, a, a huge, if it can happen to those guys, yeah. uh, hey, it can happen to any of us. Yeah. Uh, their preaching led thousands to Christ. Well, it's, I mean, if, if you look, this is why Christ um, taught himself in the Beatitudes. You know, he said, um, on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you're angry or you've got conflict, uh, with a brother, stop. What and he's talking about being in worship. Like you're at the temple, you're in worship, you're at church, uh, you're in the worship set. He says, stop and, and go be reconciled uh, because of how important relationships are to him. It's interesting. Um, well, and, it, and it, in verse uh, 17, he says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. And uh, it's interesting there because uh, we don't really have a, a good word for it in English, but the word, uh, you can also translate it, brothers uh, brothers and sisters join in imitating me. Uh, but the idea is uh, literally be a co-mimic with me. Hmm. Not a mimic, but a co-mimic. He's not saying just... It is, it's a, doing it with me, not just imitating me, but it's a co-mimic. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he says, and it, this, the translation usually says, uh, keep your eyes on. It's literally scope out. It's the word we get our word from. Uh, scopita is where we get our word scope. It means, hey, Take a look at it. Look at it hard. Keep your eyes on uh, those who are walking according to this example. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we all need people that we can look to uh, to help us see how to live. Mm -hmm. uh, and even how to die. When my First pastorate was a, a, a large church in St. Louis, and the senior pastor uh, got cancer. And uh, he walked with the Lord all the way through that process. Eventually, he died from it. Uh, but he showed us how to walk in faith even when things are going wrong and you don't understand why. Yeah. And uh, we need people like that who uh, we can look at and say, okay, he's not perfect. Um, 
but he's showing me how to walk with God uh, through these tough times. Mm. Um, wow. We need those kind of people. Yeah. That's good. Let's uh, let's keep going. So we're in verse we're in verse eighteen. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, for I've told you often before, and say it again with tears in my eyes. There are many whose conduct shows they're enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their uh, their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Yeah. Go ahead and do the next verse too, because it completes the thought. They think about only about this life here on earth, but we're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we're, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as savior. Um, what do you think Paul is talking about here? You think he's talking about Christians, non-Christians, both? Um, so many of these shows. Uh, I, I think he's talking about Christians. Um, I, I don't know. Again, I could be wrong. I'm interested in your perspective, but I'll go ahead and keep digging this hole. Uh, uh, but I, I think more often than not, uh, what I love about the scripture is that uh, they're, they're pretty, pretty gracious outsiders. Uh, uh, the, the writers of the Bible, especially the New Testament writers were. Um, and they can be pretty rough sometimes uh, on, on those who are of the faith, but uh, not walking in it. Um, and so, but acting like they are, be specific with that. Uh, and so to me, when I read that, that, that's what goes into my head is people who are kind of acting like they're devout, uh, but aren't at all. Um. Am I right or wrong, Austin? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, I think that Paul may be talking about people here who think they are Christians, mm. assume they're Christians. Yeah. Um, I had a professor in college who studied the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. He was not, I mean, he was totally on the other side, but he studied them um, as an interest because they thought they were Christians. Oh yeah. And they considered themselves as a true Christian group. And yet, you know, uh, they just were blind to uh, huge passages in the Bible. I mean, multiple passages talking about how we're, all of one blood. I mean, you know, you just, it's, it's hard to get around those things and how the gospel is supposed to go to every nation and people and family and so forth. And, um, uh, but, uh, there are people who, there are people who think that because I'm rich, God's blessed me and therefore I'm okay with God. Uh, that evaluate their spirituality based on their uh, comfort in life. Uh, You hit the nail on the head. I mean, we can go through so many examples. I mean, just using our our present uh, uh, climate and and what's being fought for, which is 
amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if you look back, I mean, I've heard so many stories. I heard Bishop Jakes, T.D. Jakes talking about this, how uh, he was in Ghana where the slave ships were. And just in eyesight, above where the slaves were held was a church where the men who were selling the slaves and doing terrible things uh, would go worship. And um, I mean, it just shows you that that the church historically um, has had seasons. I'll say Christians historically have had definite times where they've totally missed it. And, uh, you know, you can't find any scriptural basis uh, for doing that. But, you know, the problem with having a blind spot is we're blind to it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that's why we need relationships with people who are different from uh, who we are yeah. uh, to help us to see our blind spots because we, we can't, we, we can't see them by ourselves without help from each other. Yeah. Um, in verse 20, I really like this. Uh, it says, but here's a contrast. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. Uh, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. I think in this situation, uh, with all the unrest that's going on, we have to remember where our citizenship is. Yep. Now, I'm going to say, this is easier for me because I lived for 10 years in a foreign country where I wasn't a citizen. Uh, when I lived in Albania, I was subject to their laws. I was subject to their prejudice. I was subject to um, the things they liked about Americans and the things they didn't like about Americans. And I got judged by being an American uh, before I got I mean, people just assume things about me. Sure. And uh, pushy. The, you know, uh, it's hard for us to imagine the corruption in the government there. Uh, the We complain about our judicial system here, and it's not perfect. I mean, I've, I've practiced law here. Um, but in Albania, I have a friend who, when I was there, he estimated that over 90% of the cases were decided by bribes. Mm. And he came to me one day and said, Austin, what do you tell your client? He's, this is a Christian lawyer. What do you tell your client when he comes to you and says, we would have won if you'd let me pay the bribe. Mm. And he's right. And you know, that, for me, that was a heavy question. Yeah. Because uh, he felt like his client was in the right, but it lost because he didn't pay the bribe. Yeah. And um, so in situations like that, I don't think we just sit back and ignore it. I don't think we sit back and ignore the racial situation here in the United States. Um, when I was in Albania, I tried to work to bring integrity out of the corruption that was in the government and the judicial system. Being a lawyer, I could talk with the lawyers and judges and get to know some of those people. And uh, 
I had a church here that helped me fund a seminar that we put on, and God just brought into my path people who knew, like some a couple of the former presidents of the country who were men of integrity, which is hard to find, mm-hmm. uh, and people in the courts who were men of integrity and women. Um, and so we put on a seminar um, with a couple of former presidents, with the American ambassador, and it was on integrity and trying to help. We had uh, a number of members of parliament in the Supreme Court and their constitutional court, and um, we tried to help them see why integrity is important and how it benefits them as individuals and their country. Now, it was just a drop in the bucket. Uh, It will take years uh, to see the systemic changes that need to happen. But I feel like as Christians, we are citizens of a different kingdom, of a different country. And we're subject to the laws here in the United States. Paul tells us to pay our taxes and to obey our rulers. Uh, We need to do that, but we need, I feel like, to bring the values of the kingdom of God into our system. Uh, I saw, and we'll link this in the show notes, but I saw uh, there was a Bible project video that I watched today, and he said uh, we've got to, so he was talking about Daniel uh, and how Daniel was in, in captivity. He was in exile in a foreign land which uh, his, his main point is that we're all exiles. And Daniel was showing us a great example of what it looks like to be an exile. And so you can do one of a few things. You can push back and revolt against the, the nation that you're exiled in. Uh, you can roll over and become just like it. Or uh, you can seek the good of the nation and you can uphold your values. And so he said, what you do is somebody who's seeking the good of nation upholding your values is you look for values you can agree with in the nation that you're in. And so right now, you know, one of our values is freedom and equality. And so we as Christians can say, yep, right now we're all talking about value and equality. We could say, yep, like, hey, we, we can push our country to uphold the values that, that we say that we hold. And so anybody who says that it's about anything else, you know, people can hijack anything. People yeah. you can hijack anything. Right now, what people are fighting for is, is equality and freedom in the country. And so we as Christians echo and say, yes, like that is something that we see in our scripture. That's something that we see. That's culture of heaven. We want to see that break in. And, uh, you know, yes, we're citizens of heaven. We live here. And uh, we want to seek the good of, of the nation that we're in. And I think fighting this fight and standing with our brothers is, is helping to, to seek the good of this nation. Well, and um, as you read through the Psalms, all the way through, I mean, many, many Psalms will have the word justice and righteousness in the same verse. Yeah. Things that go together. Right action as individual and justice between individuals, and um, and there are lots of places we don't have that yep. in the United States. And, I mean, I, I will say, I don't want justice from God. I need mercy. Hmm. 
you know, um, but I want our country to have justice. And I can't, it's, I practice law long enough to know that I can't from a video uh, tell all the situations in a lawsuit or in in any particular crime or whatever. But I can pray that justice will be done. And I don't always know what that is. I can remember uh, trying one lawsuit and I was convinced my client was right. And I argued my client's case hard. And uh, I came back with a judgment against my client. And I'm thinking, Lord, what happened? And he said, your client was wrong and I gave him what he deserved. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was just wrong. Yeah. And But God brought justice. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we're seeing right now is I think that for a long time, there hasn't been um, much justice. And, and, I, and, see it. and um, uh, I think that, that God is allowing uh, this to start to change. And, uh, I, I think that's a good thing. And I think as citizens of heaven, we'll keep cheering that on and we'll keep seeking the good of the nation, the good of our brothers and our sisters. Um, and, uh, yeah. Do, did we get to 21? Do we want to read verse 21? I go ahead. We need to says he will take read it again. Huh? Say, Oh yeah, we'll read it again. Yeah. It said, so, uh, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. I like that. When Jesus comes again, there will be justice. Yeah. There won't be physical harm. There won't be pain or sorrow. Uh, you know, we will have new bodies that don't get sick, and we'll have minds that can at least to some extent understand the love of Christ, the justice of Christ, the mercy of Christ, so that we can really love each other the way God wants us uh, to love each other. And he'll have the whole universe fit together in ways that are full of peace and righteousness and joy. It says in uh, Romans, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're looking for. Righteousness, peace, and joy. We, we, we taste it here. And it's wonderful when we do. But when Jesus comes again, uh, it's really going to be fantastic. Amen. Amen. Well, that's the hope we stand for. Uh, that's the hope that we fight for. And, um, you know, I think that the biggest the biggest thing is that as we continue to fight uh, for things and support our friends is that we continue to be changed. That's the thing that God's been uh, convicting me with and showing me is just like I can't live in the past. uh, I also can't live in the past just where God's changed me in the past. I think that's another pitfall is to say, well, you know, God's worked. You know, I've awesome. I mean, I've. I've fallen into this where it's like, ah, oh, God did all this and he taught me all this. And then all of a sudden we quit grow, growing and changing. And so I think no matter where you're at, uh, God wants to keep pushing you towards the future that he has for you. And so I know that's been true for me. And so, well, y'all, we're about to close up. 
But here's what I want you to know. Uh, we're going to try to get these posted weekly. Uh, there may be some weeks where we don't. Uh, this one's going to be posted, uh, I believe, on a Friday. Uh, and then in the future, we're going we're gonna to attempt to get these ready for Wednesdays. And so we'll have our weekend services in between. That'll be coming up. Uh, but we want you to know that as a church, we love you. If you have questions and if you need prayer, uh, you, you can email us. Again, that's linked in the show notes down below. But, y'all, we love you. Let me pray us out. Can I do that? God, Please. thank you for your church. God, we thank you for your word. I just pray that uh, as we continue to go forward, God, that, uh, that your church... Uh, would continue to grow and to thrive and to flourish and not just New Life Church, but every church here in Little Rock, every church here in Arkansas, every church in the United States, the world. Uh, God, that you just continue to pour out and uh, you continue to move. And so I thank you for Austin. And uh, God, we love you. We love your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.